My name is Tony Bennett, and it is my privilege to direct and narrate this episode of the Tough Love and Second Chances podcast. These profile stories are an attempt to let my guests share their story in their own words, with the freedom to recount it in the way and in the order that best reflects their journey. Each story is an account of what they remember and what they want the listener to know. Jigs Denby from King Island is living proof that we can find ways to cope with whatever life throws at us. Jiggs knows that his story can help others who may be facing a life-changing trauma. Please enjoy the story of Jiggs Denby. Sometimes a person's courage and positive attitude leaves a clear imprint on those they meet. This is one of those times. When he was born in Tasmania, Southeast Australia, his father and uncles continued a family tradition and gave him a nickname. In Aussie lingo, he was a bit of a big jiggler. And so we now find ourselves talking to Jigs Denby, aged 38. And Jigs has a powerful story to tell. Jigs was born, raised, and now lives on King Island almost halfway between Victoria and the northwest tip of the island state of Tasmania, or Tassie as the locals call it. King Island has a population of around 1,600 and is about 70 kilometers long and 35 kilometers wide. It's famed for its crayfish, beef, cheese, and surfing. Jigs would play a nine-holer as a teenager in Curry, the main township, and there are two coastal courses on the island, Cape Wickham and Ocean Dunes, both popular with international visitors. Jiggs grew up loving his sports like so many Australian youngsters, mainly Aussie rules football. But a little bit of golf because his father loved it, and later, boxing. When he was 24 in 2007, Jiggs was viciously attacked by a stranger with an axe. That he survived was perhaps part blessed good fortune and part due to his fitness from the boxing ring. Jigs was paralysed down his left side and in hospital rehabilitation ward for six months. He'd been told it could take months to recover mobility, if ever at all. Time was just about up and an electric wheelchair was being delivered. But then something fairly amazing happened. Now Jigs's message is simply never give up. Respect the medical opinion, but remember, you are a unique case, never give up. When he continued to make physical progress over the months and years ahead, he would still have to cope with post-traumatic stress disorder, PTSD, from the attack and its aftermath, and this can never be smoothly parceled away. However, Jiggs knows his story can help others who may be facing life-changing trauma. I would definitely say you always got to keep a positive outlook on it. Um, that sometimes it's not as bad as what initially um, first, you first think. Um, and but yeah, just keep a positive mindset and, and uh, yeah, just roll with the punches for a little while and just do your best. Actually, I was told that there's a fair chance that I, I won't live because like, I had that much bone fragment and, and foreign particles in my brain that um, I can splint it into my brain 
and that there's a high chance of infection and whatnot. And when they're saying, you know, you've got to have another operation, but there's a really high chance of you um, not surviving and all the rest of it, um, I was just like, yeah, no, I'll be surviving. Like, uh, so, yeah, I was just stubborn, I suppose. Jigs Denby calls it pig-headedness, but it's courage. It took him a long, long time, but he's now working again with his own business in property and grounds maintenance. He also worked part-time for Parks and Wildlife Services Tasmania. He's playing and loving golf again, and as we speak he's been coaching the 8-16 to year olds in his local Aussie Rules football team, looking forward to their first match of the new season on the following day. Jiggs is a dummy's left side and he plays golf right-handed, so that's backhanded. Today he's very much looking forward to playing in a big event for golfers with disability this September, alongside some new friends who have helped him regain his confidence. His life changed dramatically when he was in the wrong place at the wrong time, in May 2007. A friend got him a job at a mine in the Northern Territory to where he was going to depart in a few days' time. Having dinner out somewhere with a couple of mates, Jiggs and a mate went back to a friend's house to watch an Aussie Rules game of football on television, only to find their friend caught up in a fight with an extremely aggressive neighbour. He was known for his violent behaviour. As Jiggs had a boxing licence, he didn't want to get involved, but found himself splitting up the fight the neighbour marching back to his own house and shouting at his girlfriend, who now seemed to be in immediate danger herself. Anyway, she was screaming, so I ran back and jumped the fence and ran up the footpath and he must have seen me coming. And the reason why she was screaming, I can assume, was, well, no, I know, that she was screaming was because he grabbed the axe and she thought he was going to clobber her. And um, anyway, he seen me running up and hit behind the corner and when I ran around, to go in the house, he's clobbered me in my head, in my right side of my head, and then I dropped, and um, yeah, he put his foot on my head and gave me another chop. The blow severed the nerves connecting his brain to the left side of his body, and Jiggs suffered paralysis of the brain, similar to that of a major stroke. It took a group effort to keep Jiggs alive there on the small island. A friend's mother was a paramedic. She helped initially, and as is the way in remote areas of Australia, the Royal Flying Doctors flew in to collect him. Those around him feared Jiggs was going to die that night. Yeah, so they flew me to Melbourne because I was too severe to go to Tassie. And that's where I stayed in ICU for a while. And then I was, because it was pretty busy with the hospital, then they, as soon as they stabilised me, they shipped me off to um, like an intensive rehab. And I basically stayed as an inpatient there for, oh, just under two years, conscious, I suppose, relatively conscious and aware really early on. Yep. Like, I'm talking, uh, I'd say within two or three days, I was aware of what was would have happened. And, um, and because I was probably so alert, I was very fit by the, like, it's one of the reasons I, re I held it together is the way I was, I was extremely fit. Um, but, um, yeah, anyway, that, that's sort of the, and they reckon that's why I was so alert so early, but yeah, laying there on the bed, buddy, oh yeah, and I, like nothing had moved, it was completely 
paralysed. Like, oh. it, it, it took about six months for any sort of movement to start happening. Six months later after the attack, he broke a strict nurse's rule in the unit, pushing himself backwards in a wheelchair to his room with just his right leg. He wanted to be independent and to get into his own bed, which he somehow dragged himself into. Yeah, I remember just, I was thinking, like, why, I was just thinking, why won't it move and all this sort of shit, because on the Monday, I think it was, the actual electric chair was rocking up. Right. And I was, didn't want, I didn't want it. I didn't even want to see it, like, because that meant that I was forever. And, um, yeah, anyway, I was laying there and I pulled, I pulled me left foot up with me right foot, like, so it was, you know, up on the bed, like, so it was sort of crouched up, if you know what I mean. And anyway, I dragged it up and it stayed there. And, um, anyway, I thought, well, it's staying there, so there's something happening. Anyway, then I thought I'll let it down. Anyway, so it just slowly slid down with, you know, like limited control. I was like, Jesus Christ. So I pulled it up again and let it slide down controlled. And I thought, like trying to picture my muscles. Anyway, I thought, you've got to be able to do it. Anyway, I stopped thinking about it. And this is, sounds weird, but I stopped thinking about it. And my leg just come up by itself. I, I didn't, didn't try it. Like, I was just sitting there relaxing, like, trying not to cry. I mean, bloody leg just come up, and I thought, what the f was that? Yeah. So then, anyway, I pushed it back down with my other leg, like, with my right leg, pushed it down, because it was sort of just there. Anyway, I was like, I was starting to get a static, if you know what I mean? Yeah. And then I, I did, it, did that a couple of times, and then I just got on the emergency buzzer. Yeah. And... Anyway, all the nurses come running down because that they obviously thought I'd, you know, take myself to bed and yep. fell off out when I was trying to get in. Come running down, lights on, whatnot, and, and I'm there, like, crying. I'm going, watch this, watch this. Anyway, they're going, what, what, what? I'm like, no, watch, watch, watch. Anyway, it wouldn't work. Jig said it was tears all around. When he had seen his mother, they had taken every good and bad blow right alongside him and then to tell the family and friends about his progress back home on King Island. Yeah, the happiest time in my life. And then and then that was excited when I actually was able to walk, but that took bloody ages to be able to walk. Um, but yeah, anyway, I, um, yeah, I was 10 foot tall then and bulletproof, but still had nothing in my hand, like in my arm. After a great deal of physio work, the same reward that he'd earned in his leg, started in his arm, little by little. A few months later, I bloody, you know, kept trying and trying because I started practicing to walk in a, in a pool and um, whatnot and picture, you know, upright, trying to get the technique and that. Yep. And then, yeah, so I was a couple more months after that, I was, you know, doing assisted walking. And then, yeah, finally got the, the training wheels off and was able to, walk a little bit by myself. Jiggs will readily agree that the fitness disciplines and gritty courage he found in the boxing gym helped him in his rehabilitation. And while taking part in that sport was now history for him, he tried other activities over the following years. But his gradual improvement did take years. He also had to cope with PTSD, which meant he was nervous about getting into unfamiliar situations. 
and this didn't help him build confidence. Jiggs remembers his golf as a youngster, playing with his father. He started playing properly, aged around 13, after a fair bit of chipping around their big yard, making golf holes and hitting over the house. He drifted away from the game really at 16 when he went away to school on the mainland, but were playing golf opens when he came home to the island. Seven years after the accident, golf seemed like a good choice again. But his early efforts in playing two-handed were impractical, and research into playing one-handed didn't get him very far. Later, one of his old therapists said he should contact the Royal Talbot Rehabilitation Unit. He had been there for so long, but he thought he should move past that part of his life. In hindsight, he was wrong. Jig spoke to the sports specialist, Wayne, who asked at short notice if he could come along to the clinic held by the famous President's Cup team event between an international team and the USA. It would be perfect as players with disability would be there and they would hold a golf clinic. Jig was busy with work then and at first said no. Anyway, I hung up and I was thinking about it for about a minute and I went, nah, I'm, <laughs> I'm going over. And um, I rang my dad and he goes, just get on the plane and go over. He goes, back to work, this is more important. Jiggs knows that his dad had the instinct that this just wasn't about golf, but about finding a social outlet again. From the start, he and Tony Coates got on well, including when Jiggs asked him for the secret of tying shoelaces one-handed. The secret is you don't, laughed Tony. Both men now have BOA laces that are always tied but can always be tightened or loosened with a dial at the back of the shoe upper. This golfing innovation has also helped with better work boots for jigs to offer far more support to his left ankle and lower leg. Jiggs's local course is the King Island Golf and Bowling Club and he also gets to play up at Cape Wickham and Ocean Dunes. They're fantastic. It's, yeah, it's a treat to have them here, but yeah, golf, for me now, it's sort of, it's definitely opened me boundaries up because, um, you know, like part of the effects of the injury and that, look, I, I had, well, still got PTSD um, and with that's like anxiety and sometimes I, oh, I'm getting a lot better, but the anxiety side of it was crippling me quite a bit. Yeah. And that's why I've always, like with the kids with football, and I've got to do public speaking with them sort of thing. Everything's pushing me, pushing me boundaries to, you know, get get over it type thing. And golf's definitely, definitely one of those. And being able to go out and, you know, you go out in your groups of four and get to have chats with people and, you know, just banter one another and, you know, do that sort of it. And after you finish, you go and have a beer with them or whatever. And, you know, like, my first couple of weeks that I was putting my cards in, I was playing just with Dad and well, I was in group of four, but it yeah. was always with my dad and one of my best mates. And um, <clears throat> But now I've made a point of um, each week trying to find a new group to go with. But yeah, and that's why I'm, when Tony buddy, um, offered me to go and play in this amputee um, comp in September, I think, Golf Club, and I'm sort of getting over there, meeting all new different people, and um, getting out of my comfort zone basically. But I'm sure I'll 
I'll uh, enjoy it afterwards. At the golf clinic in the rehabilitation gym, he has said hello to some established golfers with disability and while he was nervous at first, he has benefited greatly from meeting them, including Mike Rolls, a double amputee, who won the Victorian Amputee Open in 2018 and has written a book called Ditch the Deadweight. Cool, uh, cruisy type people that just sort of made you feel comfortable straight away. Um, yeah, so I'm hoping that when I get over there um, to have a whack, I'll just sort of open me, open me, um, you know, open me opportunities up, I suppose. And Jiggs doesn't tend to tell people about the horrific attack with the axe that nearly killed him and will sometimes say that he was injured in a car accident or through a stroke. It's not that he's being evasive, but more to spare them the stress of listening to the story. But where he is much more direct is when encouraging others to take courage and never stop believing in yourself. What I was, yeah, one thing I'll say is you don't let people, and especially medic, yeah, I don't want to sound cynical, but you don't let people define what you will be able to achieve, like when the medics are saying that you won't be able to survive and you you won't be uh, you won't be able to walk again, and this and that. I just ignored it and you just yeah, don't let them define what you you're in, what you will be able to achieve because like yeah, now I'm playing golf and I wasn't going to be able to I wasn't going to survive. I wasn't going to be able to walk. I wasn't going to be able to do this. I wasn't going to be able to be able to do that. When you put your mind to it, you, it's going to be different, but you will be able to do it still. Um, just you might have to alter a few things to, um, to still achieve what you what you want to achieve. Jig started out as a carpenter joiner by trade, but following the attack, he would later create a little garden maintenance business, which evolved into a property services business for the council with a couple of employees while he is also a field officer for the state's parks and wildlife service. Sorry, my mates and they get frustrated when they watch me do me work stuff and that, you know, I won't be moving a, I don't know, a rock or something. And obviously I can't pick it up. So I'll roll it around or I'll, you, you, you find ways to, to do what you got to do. It might not be conventional to people with, you know, all limbs and all the rest of it. But where there's a will, there's a way. You can always do it, but it might just be a little bit longer. It might be a little bit different. But Jigs Denby was born a jiggler, grew up wanting to be a footballer, then a boxer, became the toughest fighter, and is now an inspirer. He is, above all, a guy worth listening to. My sincere thanks go to our writer, Ben Evans. For more information about Edgar, please visit edgargolf.com and please stay tuned for the next episode of the Tough Love and Second Chances podcast.